Hey everyone, welcome to Hashtag Real Life. Abby and Danielle here. At Hashtag Real Life, we want to bring the essence of conversations back into our day-to-day lives. We want to tell the stories of the people around us with no topic off the table. Our hope is to create a safe space for ourselves, guests, and our listeners, all while bringing our authentic selves to create rambling but beautiful content. Now, let's talk about some stuff. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, everybody. I apologize. I have a cold, so... If I sound nasally, listeners, that is why. Abby, it's me. (laughs) And Danielle here. We're back for another, back for another week on hashtag real life podcast. Hashtag real life. Yes. Uh, Danielle right before was saying that we should rename our podcast open book because everyone uh, just says that they love to talk about any and everything. And I mean, that goes, that goes along with hashtag real life. I don't know. We can do something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, how has your week been, Danielle? Not too bad. I mean, I, like I always say, like once Thursday comes up, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I feel like Monday I kind of got back into it because I had some friends in town. And so I'm kind of like playing catch up a little bit, but other than that, I'm super excited for, I guess the end of the week now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm two weeks now working for myself. So that's great. It's awesome. Uh, and I wish I would have known about our special guest, what, even like a year ago, it maybe would have made my transition (laughs) to private practice and working for myself entrepreneurship. You can say that very well. I was going (laughs) to say that about you, Nicole, haven't even introduced her yet, but she says that word very well. And I can't (laughs) Our guest today (laughs) is Nicole Harrop. Uh, she is a women's leadership and career coach, um, and she gets to use her own experiences, both professionally and personally, uh, to assist in motivating and inspiring others. So she not only offers like one-on-one mentorship courses, she also hosts a podcast as well called Next Level Leaders, uh, which I'm sure Danielle and I will get into, but we both have binge listened this week and have definitely could have used, like I said, this in some of our work transitions. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so yeah, we're excited to talk to you, Nicole. Um, and even some personal topics too that have kind of led you to your current uh, place today. So with all that rambling, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you both. Yes. yes. It's so good to actually meet like in the virtual world, you know, yeah. I mean, we've been doing the email connect, but it's always good to like put faces to things. And since we've been listening to your podcast, it's fun to be like, oh my gosh, she's here in the flesh. <laughs> I know. I, I used to listen to when I first started getting into podcasting, I was listening to one person in particular. And once I saw her face speaking, it almost didn't connect for me. I was like, wait, I'm like, I had to close my eyes and I was like, oh yeah, that's how she sounds. But when I was seeing her speak and listening, it was a whole different experience. <laughs> I used to experience that a lot with when I listened to the radio growing up and radio talk shows, like I would have the vision of the hosts in my brain. And then when I would yeah. see them, I, it just took me for a loop. I couldn't get it out of my brain. And Danielle and I have joked about that. Like, what if someone thought like her voice was me and my <laughs> voice was her, Yeah, you know, never know. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, I already did like a 
very abridged version of your kind of career uh, history, but I mean, we can even take it far back. Um, so you are currently located in Salt Lake City, Utah. Are you born and raised there or are you transplant? Yeah, I am born and raised here in Utah. Uh, I'm from a smaller town uh, about an hour and a half north of here uh, called Logan, Utah. So that's where I was born and raised. I ended up um, moving down here to Salt Lake City in 2009. I shortly met my husband after moving down here. So that was kind of fate, I guess. (laughs) And uh, yeah, have loved it ever since. We've owned uh, three homes down here in the Salt Lake area and we just love it. So this house that we're at now is right across the street from a park. Uh, we have two little kids, a four-year-old and two-year-old daughter. And uh, yeah, we hope to not have to move anytime soon, especially in this current market. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Danielle and I are really big uh, dancing with the stars. And so you think you can dance fans. And so we were going to ask you has nothing to do with maybe your story. Maybe it does. <laughs> are you a fan of ballroom dancing? And why is it so popular in the Utah <laughs> location <laughs> of the world? <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, I actually don't know. I mean, I love watching. I watch dancing with the stars more than so you think you can dance, but I honestly didn't know it was that popular. What's so, what's, who was all from Utah, I guess. Oh gosh. (laughs) So many, so many stars and pros. A lot of the ballroom Mm -hmm. uh, contestants and then a lot of the ballroom, uh, obviously the um, pros on Dance with the Stars. Like, yeah, Lindsay, Whitney, um, who else? Derek Huff. Derek Huff, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew they were from Utah, but that's interesting. I guess I've heard of those names, but- I guess I'm not quite sure why it's so popular. Maybe because there's not a whole lot other stuff that people are doing that's super fun out here in this interesting state. So um, I guess something to do that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for humoring that question for me. Of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am not the expert, I guess I would say, in the ballroom <laughs> dancing area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gave us a little bit of insight, you know? It's yeah. fine. <laughs> I'll learn from you. Exactly. Well, we're so excited that you're here with us. Like what? Um, so, I mean, in general, you are such an amazing female entrepreneur and you love teaching others about entrepreneurship. Like what kind of led you into the teaching world of that work? Yeah, great question. Uh, so I get a lot of um, on my own podcast, I'll get people pitching me in the entrepreneurship space. But uh, I really focus on women who are wanting to expand their careers uh, and they enjoy the nine to five, but maybe aren't sure how to grow and promote within their current workspace. And uh, honestly, I joke because my husband, he has this amazing position. He has great bosses who adore him. He's never really had any issues. And I feel like you name it, I've probably like gotten in trouble for it or experienced it in some way uh, from sexual harassment in the workplace with different bosses uh, or different leaders. I've had experiences of getting in trouble for with HR for things that I didn't actually say, but out of context, uh, I've had those conversations. So I've been on kind of both sides of hosting those conversations as a leader, but also on the other side of getting in that trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I've gotten laid off. I was laid off only a few days after finding out I was pregnant with my first daughter after three years. And we finally did an IVF cycle and got pregnant with her and I was left without a job. So that was really scary. And, uh, most of it that I've gone through in my career, I would say to myself, why, why me? And, uh, oftentimes when you're going through something, you don't understand what that growth is going to be. So obviously later looking back, I recognize how much, uh, it's helped shape me into who I am and how I want to help others avoid some of those struggles I went through. Uh, I certainly struggled, uh, on my way to getting promoted into my first leadership position, uh, I had so many no's. I couldn't even tell you how many times I got turned down at that company. Uh, I had someone in my interview say, if you happen to be turned down again, how are you going to react? And I thought, should we end this interview now? Um, right. This can't be going anywhere great. Uh, so that like took the wind out of my cells in that interview. Uh, but I kept pushing through and, and reaching out to different mentors and trying to figure out how to stand out. I knew I was meant to be a leader. And uh, at that position, I knew I was going to have some sort of growth. If not there, then I was going to move somewhere else. And uh, after all of those struggles of people, then after I got promoted, after working so hard, I was promoted uh, after only being there for two years. Uh, and the other gentleman I was up against had been there for 10 years. So he had put in the time, right. uh, which was very important to this company, uh, which I think is absurd at some, at some different phases of your life. So I was very proud. And then as soon as I got promoted, I started having people say, well, you only got promoted because you're pretty or you only got promoted because you know the right people. And so then I had to uh, face that as well. So it's something that years down the road, I was working for another company and he was actually asking the CEO was asking me, what would you do if you could make a title for yourself in this company? And as I was thinking about that, I thought, I guess I haven't really thought about what I would want to do. Like no one's asked me what I could do if I made my own job title. And that would be to um, help uplift other people in the workplace, but who gets really paid to do that as their sole right. position. So um, I started thinking about that and I was driving uh, on my way home from work and it just hit me. And, uh, I was like, I need to be a coach. And at first I didn't know kind of what kind. And as I leaned more into that, uh, answers started coming of like, what could that be? What could the possibilities be? And I thought, you know what? I love helping women get promoted in the workplace. It's something that I've done along the years, uh, since I've been in leadership positions over the past 10 years. So I thought, how can I help make more of an impact than, in my current smaller circle, working for these smaller companies, how can I do that at a larger scale? Uh, and that's kind of what led me into coaching and same with podcasting. There wasn't a voice who looked similar to me in the way of, uh, having a younger woman, uh, coaching other women. Uh, most of the podcasts out there for leadership were older white men and they were sharing a message that I didn't think was helpful to women like myself 10 years prior trying to get promoted. So that's kind of what led me to uh, doing what I do today. And uh, I still work full-time. I also have a part-time job and then I do the podcast 
and trying to grow my own business. So uh, I definitely stay busy. I am an Enneagram three achiever and Apparently I love having a lot on my plate when I probably should say no to a few more things, uh, but I'm working on that. Yeah. I, when you, I, you mentioned the Enneagram on your podcast, I was like, Oh, we'll have even more to talk about. We are like the trifecta. Cause okay. if you're a three, I'm a six, Danielle's a nine. So <laughs> perfect. All we are the growth and stress <laughs> stressors yeah. of each other. I love it. It's so good. Well, I think you definitely really like nailed it on the head too. When you were talking about how I feel like sometimes women are never really asked, like, what they want to do or like where, like what their dreams are. And so I think like being able to put yourself into that space to coach people within that is huge because there's just so many times when, you know, we're kind of like walking in this path, like, all right, like we're just doing what we're supposed to do, but no one maybe is really asking you what you really want to do, or you're not really able to think about it necessarily in like a broader sense, you know? Definitely. And oftentimes I find that even myself and women uh, typically are more uh, reactive or kind of going with the flow. Where do I fit in? Where is a current job opening? Uh, I feel like sometimes we don't allow ourselves to uh, think bigger because when we find that we have fit in somewhere, we think, okay, here's safe, a safe space that I have created. And it's a little bit scary to get out of that comfort zone. So finding mentors or, you know, a team of cheerleaders, uh, who are your colleagues or close friends to help you talk through those conversations and what those dreams are and help hold you accountable to say, Hey, you know, are you doing that thing yet? Have you started talking to these other companies? Have you started doing X, Y, or Z, whatever that is, it can be helpful to have a little bit of that accountability mm-hmm. partner, uh, or group of people to help you, uh, essentially hold yourself accountable to step out of that comfort zone, because I've certainly been there in many times in my life where I've thought I'm comfortable. I, if I don't step out of my comfort zone, then I can't be hurt. I can't be all of these things that are sometimes hard to grow through. Uh, But that growth really does happen once you step outside of that and truly push yourself and start to think bigger and what you uh, are truly going to be called for in this life. Well, it, it wasn't that long ago, right? Only a few decades ago where, I mean, women weren't in the workplace as much. And so, yeah, I feel there is just this, I don't know, subconscious belief, right? That, yeah, we don't belong. You had mentioned something like that. Yeah. Where do I belong? And yeah, it, it becomes like women feel they have to work two, Mm -hmm. I was gonna say two times harder, like 10 times harder Mm -hmm. than our male counterparts. And there are studies that like men are more confident in applying for jobs, right? That Mm -hmm. they might not be uh, suitable for, whereas women will not, will just won't apply. And I know you had a podcast episode on that as well. Like just apply for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your experience too, with, I'm sure I wish I had the stats of how many women or people identify as female have experienced sexual harassment, uh, Mm -hmm. in the workplace, because it is unfortunately way too high and, and not just females, right. Many people, um, of all genders experience sexual harassment, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I I know you have said you've used that for, you know, I mean, some motivation to also help 
I mean, I'm saying lots of things here, but to motivate other women to be assertive, right. In, yeah. in their needs, how, how have you seen that help your, your clients? Yeah. It's something that I think if you're thinking in advance of how you're going to react to something, uh, it's going to go so much better than if you don't prepare for it at all. And for me, I didn't prepare for that because I mean, who really thinks to prepare for something that might not ever happen that could bring a lot of anxiety. But if you're thinking, okay, what happens if a male coworker says something inappropriate, how am I going to react? If it's a male supervisor, how am I going to react? Uh, How does that change based on maybe who says it, if it's male, female, whatever that looks like. Uh, What I advocate for is knowing what your boundaries are and speaking those out loud and also holding other people accountable amongst your workspace as well. Uh, One of the first times that I got sexually harassed in the workplace, there were other men who were witnessing it, who weren't saying anything to defend me. I mean, it was very obvious. It wasn't subtle. Like, Oh, I wasn't quite sure he would literally say that he could see my cleavage and it was turning him on or that he was getting a chubby, like so gross of a way to say it. And in the workplace, hundred percent inappropriate. But at that time I was so young. I think I wasn't even 20 yet. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, am I the one, you know, you're thinking, and thankfully there's so many more resources today to know absolutely no one deserves that. Uh, So how are you going to react? What are you going to do if someone else is being harassed or sexually harassed uh, in the workplace, being more mindful and aware, uh, whether it's maybe even a joke that is talking about someone saying, oh, that's so gay. I will, I personally have a stance that I'm not okay with someone saying that because what if someone identifies that way and would be so hurt to hear someone say that. So I try to take a stand more often. And that puts me sometimes out of my comfort zone, but I feel like if I'm not doing it, then that gives them permission to continue doing it to other people and people test boundaries. Mm -hmm. Like they'll start small. My boss started real small and he started growing and growing. And as I continue to not say anything, uh, he continued to push those limits. And, uh, honestly, that's what led to me quitting my job there. I thought I was going to have a future there. I loved my previous leader. I loved many people who I worked with and like, it was really convenient, all these things. And then working under him, I was like, I can't, I don't even want to come to work anymore. Uh, so yeah, I advocate for thinking ahead and how can you stand up for other people? What would you say and physically practice saying, Hey, that's not okay. I don't appreciate you saying that term. Please don't use it again. Uh, because think of how it would be to you. If someone said that to you, you would think, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to say that again. Or if it's someone who doesn't really care if they're offending you, you're also going to recognize that in their response or the, Oh, it's not a big deal. Actually it is. And it's not appropriate. And I shut it down like that. And I, I move on or I say, let's move, let's change the subject or let's move on whatever situation I'm in because people like that recognize, okay, wow, she was she was happy to stand up and she was confident in what she was saying. It wasn't, Hey, I, I don't think that's very nice. Maybe we shouldn't say that, you know? Um, and if that's how you want to start approaching it and that's what feels comfortable to you. Great. 
but practice starting to say the phrases uh, so that other people don't walk all over other people in front of you. Um, so yeah, setting those boundaries and not being afraid to say something, even if it's not affecting you, I will go talk to other women and I'll say, Hey, I, I noticed that so-and-so was uh, saying this, did that make you feel uncomfortable? Because if it did, I am happy to report it to HR on your behalf and not even mention your name. Uh, I'm happy to get advice from HR on how to approach this uh, for you. So uh, there's been many times where I try to be more aware, which is much harder in the virtual space. But when I was uh, in person working, I was trying to be as aware as possible to, uh, to be the advocate for people who maybe were scared to have their own voice. Such good advice. Yeah. Such good advice. Well, and it's also like you touched on a really good importance of also like holding others accountable. And also if you're creating that workspace culture where you do have like another female counterpart or someone of that nature that you feel that you can trust and you can speak to, I think that that's huge because there's a lot of times in the workplace too, where we kind of get that whole, like, we're all pitting each other against each other kind of thing Mm -hmm. when it should be us all trying to win the race together as opposed to one or the other. So when there are situations like that, you do feel like people have your back or you do feel that people are in your corner and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a sexual harassment case. It could be something just as not as small, but something as, Oh, this person's going to be getting a raise or this person has been working really hard on that. They can help advocate for you. And it doesn't have to be just you doing it all by yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's how how you show that you can be an ally in the action. Mm-hmm. So just as women in the workplace, uh, whenever I'm doing interviews, for example, uh, for all my different positions, uh, I will strongly advocate for uh, Black women, women of color, uh, anyone of minority, uh, because what people do is they tend to relate more closely to people who look like them, who sound like them. So what does that do with a lot of men, white men in the room interviewing, they tend to jive best with white men who have had a similar background and I'll push really hard in those meetings. And I'm not afraid to, you know, ruffle a couple of feathers to say, Hey, actually, I really liked this person. And I know that you like so-and-so because they're a little bit more extroverted and they were a little bit more confident in their interview. But if we truly are focused on our own DEI efforts to bring in a variety of different people, introverted people, uh, people of different skin color than ours, people of different backgrounds or um, identify as a different, whatever that might be. Uh, I push for those types of people because it is the easiest route to, to connect with someone who looks or sounds most like us. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Absorbing and sitting in all the good, all the good info. (laughs) Uh, But what I also like too, is that boundary setting doesn't just stay in the lane of sexual harassment, right? Like setting boundaries is also in asking for a raise, knowing your worth, um, trying to get a promotion. Like the, the, the term boundaries, like setting boundaries, like just perfectly spans every part of every part of your work. Um, Mm -hmm. do you, uh, do you educator, uh, see it that way as well, or do you approach it differently, uh, than saying the boundary (laughs) term? Yeah. 
Yeah, no boundaries are extremely important in any type of relationship. I know I had mentioned to you all in our messaging that my mom is currently serving a prison sentence for securities fraud. And like that has taken a lot of boundary setting uh, as well throughout our relationship of her being in prison and what that is like, because it's our relationship is different right now because of that. Uh, it's not the same as it once was. And so it's adjusting to that just as in the workplace, it's setting boundaries on when you're going to be available to do your work. Uh, maybe if you are an hourly employee, but your leader is frequently reaching out after hours and saying, Hey, such and such thing is on fire. Can you hop online and check this email and this, that, and another thing uh, it's worth, okay. Is this a one-off thing that happened and I'm happy to hop on or, uh, are they expecting me to do this off the clock and clarifying that, which can be a little bit scary, but know that you need to ask those questions. Am I clocking in for this? Uh, or say, I assume I'm clocking in for this. Uh, tell me what you want me to do for like the overtime hours or whatever that looks like, uh, clear communication, setting those boundaries, uh, let's say if you're letting them know in advance that you're not available over the weekend and then they're still messaging you over the weekend, uh, it's important to restate that boundary. Hey, uh, as I mentioned before, I really want to be offline during this weekend, so I'm not going to be available to handle X, Y, or Z task that you're asking me to do because just like other things of what happens sometimes with sexual harassment and even like family relationships, people push and as much as they can, it's a natural thing that we do is like, let's see how much we can uh, push that button until they truly say, you know, they're not just lip service of talking about boundaries. They're actually enforcing them. So uh, that would mean being a little bit uncomfortable with your leader to say, maybe they reached out again after that weekend and they're trying to have you do more work you're restating that boundary that that's not something that I am willing to do as an ongoing basis. If, if there are things that we can talk about to make that make sense, or maybe it's a pay raise to make it more worth my time after hours, whatever that might look like. Uh, yeah. Setting boundaries and communicating your desires, especially when we talk about raises uh, that can be a really nerve wracking thing to approach. I mean, I coach about it, but I still get nervous approaching my leaders for raises and, and talking about why I deserve it. And I have to go back to my own, you know, podcast lessons of, okay, I need to write down everything that I've done. I need to write these things down. I need to look back at what I refer to as a work journal and making sure that, uh, I'm feeling confident uh, in the black and white of this is what I've done. This is what I've done above and beyond my role. Uh, now I can feel more confident to go share this information with my leader and ask what the possibilities are for me to get that raise. And I think that also like kind of encompasses to like overall knowing your worth and all of those situations, whether it's like yeah. family, career, whatever it is, like knowing like my boundaries, it's okay to have those boundaries because I'm worth this or like, this is what I'm doing and just kind of having that inner confidence. And I think that's also another reason why there's so many situations where we do get our boundaries pushed so much, you know, because we're not thinking that we're worth 
that, you know, we're not thinking it's, it's fine. We can just do it. It doesn't matter. It's okay. But it's, it's, you know, putting up that boundary and having those moments with it can enforce your worth so much, but just knowing it and actually believing it and putting it into practice is like a large part of it. Yeah. And another thing on top of that is I find with, at least for me, and I'm sure many other women, when we're going from one thing to the next, to the next and, and living as we're going uh, and not taking time to stop and slow down. People talk about it all the time, like stop Mm -hmm. and slow down. Well, what am I doing? If I'm stopping, like, am I just resting? Am I trying to meditate? Am I watching Netflix? Like what is, what do I do? Like not a lot of people talk about what do I do during this slowdown? Mm -hmm. And I would love to have more women uh, and really anyone in general who feels this way of maybe being like a little bit of a people pleaser, not sure what their boundaries are. Uh, it really is reflecting, having time to reflect. And I do this often with many of my conversations that I have uh, different throughout the day. I kind of do a little bit of a download before I fall asleep of, okay, these are the meetings I had. Uh, this is what the conversations were. Was I adding value? Was I talking too much? Did I let other people speak? Did I recognize, uh, someone who seemed like they had something to share, but they, uh, maybe felt like they needed to be invited to speak, uh, for someone who might be more introverted or more, uh, nervous to, to openly share their feedback. Uh, I need to be more mindful of that, especially as a leader, but as a team member wanting to be seen as a leader, you can do that as well. Uh, so taking some time to reflect and think about, okay, when are the times where I felt at my happiest and what was I doing? What were things that I do at work that I feel are really draining? Uh, and one example for me was when uh, one of my friends, I had gotten back from maternity leave and I had been doing her work and mine for uh, several weeks while she was out. And when she got back, she didn't really want to take back over some of those less fun tasks. So she asked, Hey, can I still use you for some help? And I said, yes. And then it kept happening for longer and longer to where I was doing the majority of her work while she was out being able to advocate for herself and talk about all these other things and build relationships and connections. And where was I? I was head down in my work um, and her work. So when she got promoted over me, that was a real big slap in the face that you can't do all this heads down work and have it necessarily be noticed all the time. Uh, it is about kind of getting yourself out there and uh, advocating for yourself, knowing your worth, like you mentioned, uh, to to be able to do that. So part of it is that download and that reflection, which can help you head in the right direction of knowing more of what you want, which helps you to recognize your worth. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. I'm trying to pick one. Uh, <laughs> and how old, I'm curious, how old were you when you first negotiated for a pay increase? Cause I know like plenty of people, even in their thirties who have never done it before. So I want to yeah. know, when did you first negotiate? Oh gosh. When I first negotiated was probably not that long ago. Honestly, I worked at a company that was very well established. And I say that nicely about companies that are a little too set in their ways, Mm -hmm. uh, where it's like, you don't get a raise unless it's 
like the beginning of the year and they go off of like the satisfactory or like needs improvement, like gives me like, makes me want to vomit thinking of those uh, days. And then you got like a 50 cent increase. You were like, wow, thank you so much. I feel so valued. Gosh, I hope to stay here for the rest of my life. Um, so yeah, it wasn't too long after I had grown in that role that I was actually recruited into my next position, which I will forever be grateful for, even though that's the company that ended up laying me off. But, um, I grew so much at this next company that was a startup, uh, Many people saw it as a risk of me joining there, but I saw it as a lateral move. Uh, It was something that I was going to get paid the exact same, but I was one of 20 versus one of 400. Uh, So simple math. I felt like I had a lot more uh, opportunities to grow within this startup. So I moved over there. Uh, I took on a ton of extra projects and I kept track of all the different things that I was doing. And I was uh, mindful of the things that I was taking on that would get the most recognition or the most, uh, noticed by upper leadership. So I took over our whole training department, uh, and ran my own team for a little over a year. Uh, so it was, it was draining. The training team starts at 8am and, uh, my team was the night team. So we ended at 7pm. So there were many days where like, I never saw my husband, because I wanted to put in that hard work and wanted to show that I was worthy, deserving all these things. Um, I later set better boundaries of my time (laughs) and delegated and showed trust in my training team that I didn't need to be there at 8 a.m. every morning that I was able to find and hire the right people to help me uh, within that department. But when I ran both of those teams at the same time, there were other leaders who weren't doing those types of things and taking on additional uh, projects. So uh, I did advocate for a higher raise. I knew raises were coming, but I made sure to have conversations with my own boss that he knew, Hey, these are the things I've been working on. If you aren't quite sure, uh, then I'm going to let you know. And I shared a document that basically outlined all the different things that I was doing within training, uh, the amount of training classes that I had, um, had throughout my time. Uh, if there was any different nuances, like one time we had two classes that started, um, a day after each other. So I had two classes pretty much at the same time, uh, talked about different stats that were impactful, uh, what my team was doing while I was also, uh, over here helping in training. Uh, and that helped me to get a significant raise. I was the highest paid manager at the time, which ultimately led to me being the easiest target to lay off. Um, So that was unfortunate, but uh, I learned so much in that role. And then even advocating and trying to negotiate uh, maternity leave, I was working for very small companies both times when I had my daughters. And I tell you, that was a struggle trying to say like to these men, I mean, one of them, well, both of them actually have children, uh, but one of them had children, you know, more than 30 years prior. So, uh, he was not as understanding of a maternity leave policy and why that's important and why should we, we should take care of our team members. So they'll want to come back kind of thing. And so I was doing the research and showing, okay, this is what other companies are offering to, uh, women in the workplace who have similar roles and job titles as me. Uh, I went from like, bare minimum to like some companies that offer, 
you know, 16 weeks plus all of these extras, uh, which are amazing. And they were like, okay, uh, we'll give you six weeks paid time off if you have um, a vaginal delivery and we'll give you eight weeks paid time off if it's cesarean. And that was like it. Yep. That was my previous job too. Mm -hmm. And when I came, when I was about to come back, I said, Hey, my work is extremely flexible. I had a remote, a fully remote team, but I was like going into an office prior to the pandemic. So I thought that was so odd. Why do I need to be physically in an office? Uh, I talked about doing projects and changing to hourly versus salary to help them. They had so many projects. So I listed those out and they were like, Nope, basically we don't trust people working from home who have kids because they think that people are going to manipulate that, I guess. So I quit fine that I, it was, it was good to get that over with. If they weren't wanting to take care of it (laughs) or want to be flexible, then that wasn't the right place for me. So then, um, my next one where I had my uh, second daughter was very similar, but they, both of my leaders had young children. So I thought they'd be a little bit more empathetic and, um, yeah, it, it did not turn out well either, but I, I was, advocating for myself. And I was saying, Hey, this is what was previously agreed on. This is what was verbally shared. And they both denied, um, saying that I was going to get this extra bonus, which was really disheartening because I had worked so hard for this company that when I was going out on maternity leave, they wanted to hire at least two people, if not three to replace me. And like the starting salaries were all higher than what I currently made. So that was kind of another slap in the face. I just, I get all these realities of like, okay, the universe is telling me not right for you, not a good fit. Let's get out of here. So, um, yeah, I, I remember I like went home crying after having this conversation and they were saying that I wasn't going to get what they had initially verbally shared with me. And, uh, I was like, you know what, what would I tell someone who I was coaching? I would say to, you know, try one more time to clarify. And I sent it via email. I was very frustrated. And I explained that, you know, I'm hurt because it was verbally shared very differently than what were, what they were saying was going to happen. And I let them know that I wasn't happy about it. And then, you know, a nice way, um, because I knew I still was going to have relationships with these gentlemen, no matter what, after I had quit or whatever that looked like, I still wish them the best, but I wanted them to know this wasn't a fun, easy conversation and it wasn't doing right by me based on how they would always say like this company would be lost without you. And you're so amazing. You're so valuable. And then to not, to not officially show that when I really needed that. And I was being significantly underpaid as it was, Mm -hmm. that was my last straw there. Oh yeah. Danielle and I are both, I think having like visceral reactions (laughs) because we both in the last year have experienced everything you've said (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) with our own career. Yeah. yeah. And it's, just, it's, it's wild too, because it kind of goes with, um, one of the podcast episodes that you had, um, and you're talking about the third shift and it kind of mm-hmm. goes hand in hand with that. Like knowing that you're doing so much on the back end or knowing that you're putting in so much effort. And then it's like, Oh my gosh, you're doing so great. Like, we're so happy that you're here. Like we would need three of you and all this stuff, but doing all of that is great, but you need to get 
compensated for it. And you need to have some sort of recognition for that because that's how companies stay afloat. You know, like you can't just keep telling people, oh, you're so great. And this is so amazing that what you're doing. And it's like, okay, cool. So like, what next? (laughs) How do do we work with this? Yeah. (laughs) And I, I can't remember which episode I was listening to just today, but I, it was one that was right like a week or two into the pandemic. So like March of 2020. And I swear you predicted that I can't remember exactly how you stated it, but you had mentioned like, yeah, people are probably going to rethink like is working for a company, like a big corporation, like worth my, or my self-worth, like, is that what I want to do with my life? Or do I want to work from home? Do I want X, Y, Z? And I was like, wow, not many people I feel were having those conversations in 2020, two years later, everyone's having Mm -hmm. these conversations. I was like, this is so, so crazy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, for tuning into so many episodes, I really appreciate that. Yeah. They're great. (laughs) I mean, it's also just one of those things that's so relatable, you know what I mean? And I think kind of how you're saying earlier that there wasn't a lot of people, I think probably doing podcasts that sounded like you talk like you, I mean, there's, there's such a difference between coaching podcasts where people are just saying, just do this, just do that. Um, as opposed to saying like, Hey, this was my experience. (laughs) Like, this is how we work through it. And here are some great tools for it, you know, because I think, that's kind of what it's, it is missing sometimes in coaching for so many different things. Um, it's just kind of, it just is really helpful, especially from a yeah. workplace and scenario, you know? Yeah. Your authenticity comes through really, really well because yeah, it would be one thing if someone was like, okay, here are five steps to get your dream job or whatever. Whereas you're like, yeah, so here are the bumps I've personally gone through in my life. And here's how you can do either similarly or different. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, I feel like it, it doesn't come off like that fake in like what Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. like toxic positivity. It's definitely like, yeah, let's like, let me help you together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so appreciate that. And one of the biggest things, and when I started that, uh, the, when I started working at the tech company, uh, the startup, Uh, that was my first experience having a leader who encouraged me to be vulnerable with my team, uh, at my, uh, previous job that was much more well-established is what I say nicely. Right. Uh, they were like, you can't be friends with your team members. You can't hang out with people on your team outside of work because it will cause so many problems. And they were so constricting and had so many rules. Uh, I, you know, connected with some people who I still talk to with this to this day, uh, who work there, but I'm like, I can't thrive in an environment where I can't connect with people on a deeper basis. Uh, if that's the case, I know it's not a right fit. So then I just say, see you later. Uh, I am very much about having those deeper conversations Uh, as a leader, showing people how I don't have it all together. Uh, I talk to my team, uh, when I have converse, tough conversations with my leader where he gives me feedback, uh, thankfully it's not super often that I'm having like super critical conversations, but when I do, I go to my team and I say, Hey, so I had a tough conversation with my boss and this is what we talked about. And this is how I want to do better and show up better for you as a team as well, because that makes me more human to recognize 
that likely I might have a conversation like that with my own team members as well. But if they know I'm also not perfect, I also struggle with different things. It's nice to know that they're not, you know, it's not this top down. I'm only telling you what you do and you have Mm -hmm. to execute it. It's more of that like relationship, like how can I help you? How can, what do you need from me? And how can I help you grow? And uh, one thing that like irks me so much is when people say how it's, if you're doing this, this way, then you're terrible. If you're doing this, this way, and I get it, it, it's clickbait. But even when I write articles online, I, I try so hard to make it not clickbaity, uh, because I don't operate that way. I feel like there's so much abundance in this world, that you don't have to act like, oh, if you don't do these five things, you're never going to get promoted. Mm -hmm. Uh, That type of energy just doesn't vibe with me. And so that's why I'm glad that you're saying how you can hear that through my podcast is I say, here's my experience. Here's what I did working through that. Here's what I wish I would have done differently, or here's advice that I have. And I try so often to say, this is what worked for me. Uh, it may look different for you. So try different ways. And if it's not working, you know, reach out. I'm happy to help. But um, if you're trying to do something exactly the way someone else did it, it's likely not going to feel authentic to you. You have to see, okay, here's what I read or here's what I listened to. How does that, again, that reflection, how does that look? What does that look like in my day-to-day in the workplace? could I have those conversations? What would they sound like? How would I implement this? How would I start networking more proactively, whatever it might be and uh, do that authentically? Because when you start trying to do like those five things that are going to get you promoted at work. And one of them is learning sports terms so that your boss thinks you're cool and he'll want to talk to you about the Super Bowl that's coming up. Like, you know, that's going to come off so disingenuous and you're going to feel that's when like the office politics, like drive me crazy because that's when people are trying to act like there's someone they're not to fit Mm -hmm. in when you are 100% worthy as you are. And it's a matter of finding those connections with the people that you work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are, you are meant to fit the job. Wait, I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. <laughs> you are meant to fit the job, not the job I saying that right? Yeah. 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 I was like, yeah. crap, am I saying it backwards? <laughs> no, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> <actually different. laughs> well, and you bring up such a good point with the aspect of, especially in the workplace, there's so many situations where people will say like, no, um, especially when you're in a management or in a leadership situation, it's like, no, people are underneath you or this, there's your subordinates. Like you have to like keep this level. And of course you need to keep a level of professionalism, but you always need to pay attention that there are people too. Like everyone is a person. And if you do start putting up these blocks and you're not able to communicate with people on a more like authentic, um, relationship level, then you're never going to get anywhere with what they need from the job as well. Especially if you're in a leadership position, because there are a lot of people kind of touching on what you're talking about before with, there are a lot of people who are introverts. There's a lot of people who learn differently. There's a lot of people who show up differently for work. And it doesn't mean that they're not worthy of whatever position they're in. It just means that someone has to see them a little differently or speak to them a little differently. And not everyone is going to be okay with being spoken to as you're just a human. And I don't really like 
<laughs> I can't really talk to you any other way because I'm your boss, you know? So it's, it's really important to bring out those aspects of just like all humans, we're all humans, we're all people, and we're all trying to work and figure out life, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And one thing I've learned from Danielle, especially this past year is that there isn't just like a one size fits all leader either. Like Mm -hmm. everyone can bring something different, right? Yeah. Their authentic selves to a leadership position or leadership might look different. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to have a manager position to still be a leader, um, in your, uh, in your day job or whatever it, it can look different. And there are pros and cons to yeah, different personalities or how different learn or show up and they might bring a really great idea. Yeah. They might not be the traditional, like capitalistic, like older white male. Right. But mm-hmm. that's probably a good thing to get new ideas in the mix. Yes, <laughs> and, and I know this is kind of going back a little bit, but when we were talking about boundaries and you had were vulnerable and shared, you know, a little bit about your mom and, you know, having to set boundaries with her. That made me think, do you find it easier or harder, uh, to set boundaries with family versus at work, or do you find them both similar or both challenging? Uh, yeah. Just wanting to know what that experience is like for you. Yeah. Uh, so there are six of us kids. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and then triplet younger sisters. So we are all very close. Um, yeah. We, my older brother, there's two years between us. There's three years between me and my younger brother. And then the triplets came two years after uh, my youngest, my younger brother. So we are all very close and uh, boundaries definitely got pushed with my sisters. They would steal my clothes. I still remember vividly to this day, my younger sister, uh, she would always steal my hoodies and she didn't want me to know she stole my hoodies, which, you know, maybe I wouldn't have recognized if she was a little bit like better at hiding things, but she was, you know, four years younger than me at the time and not like as thoughtful of how to be like mischievous. Uh, I came outside. It was this bright yellow Roxy sweater, um, hoodie and yeah. yeah, Right. (laughs) Brings me back. (laughs) I graduated in 05. If that helps uh, anyone relate. Uh, and I loved that hoodie (laughs) and it was shoved in the corner of our wet garage and it was ruined because she didn't want me to know that she had worn it. So what should she do? She should hide it in the corner of the garage where somehow I might not find it. Uh, it, you could see it like right when you walked out into the garage and I was obviously very upset. So setting boundaries with my younger sisters on the whole clothing thing Mm -hmm. was a struggle for a while. And I was also very young. So I'm like, I more like angry response than like, Hey, what would really help me is this like if you want to use my clothes like please talk to me and I'll try to be more understanding but please don't throw them in the corner uh when the garage is soaking wet um and yeah with my brothers I've had both of them uh live with me at one point in their life uh so that's also been interesting to set boundaries on like everything in relation to living together again after growing up together Um, and then same with my mom, it's been, you know, an up and down, uh, relationship with her being in prison and, and feeling like, uh, 
for a long time, it was very like deceiving of a relationship because none of us knew uh, what was truly going on. Um, when she was, uh, she was a day trader in the stock market, but had lost people's money, but didn't want to tell people if she lost her money. So, or their money. So she was getting other investors when someone wanted to take money out and she didn't have any, uh, she would get other investors and then that becomes what they consider a Ponzi scheme. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's been um, an interesting last uh, almost six years. It'll be six years in uh, May when she might actually get to be released. Uh, but they that's when they do like a, a, a new parole hearing for her. And uh, but yeah, it's, it's very much been about setting boundaries on, you know, how much I can help contribute to uh, potentially like different, um, things that she wants. Uh, maybe that's a new pair of tennis shoes. Maybe that's, uh, money to put on her book so that she can give us a, a call, uh, setting boundaries on like how often I want to uh, be talking with her. And sometimes that changes, uh, based on the, the context, uh, of our conversation. Sometimes I need a little bit of space to digest things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, our relationship has just been so different than the relationship she had with my sisters. And I always wondered like, why was it so different when our age range isn't so different? Um, but it was a very different experience growing up, uh, with her than what my sisters experienced. So, I also have to set boundaries with my sisters who, uh, have that different relationship with her of what my boundaries are so that they, when I say like, I don't want to talk this often, and then she's getting a message through them to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to ask to set boundaries there as well, because like, that's not okay with me. And it, it frustrates me more. Uh, so I need to feel respected while I'm holding that boundary. And again, it's, it's definitely hard with siblings, um, like it's probably harder maybe than it is within the workplace because you don't have that additional relationship and maybe empathy of what they're going through, um, as in detail as you do with your own family. So I feel like it's easier for people to get like walked all over, um, by family. Uh, but again, it's setting those boundaries and holding to it. That's what I had to do with my younger brother at one point. Like we had a we have a great relationship now, but it's been rocky in the past. And I finally had to say, cause he asked to borrow money. I was like, this is the last time I'm borrowing you money. Please do not ever ask me again. Like you need to be more responsible with your money because he was making really good money. He just wasn't very good with it. Yeah. So I said, I will never give you money again. And he re he's respected that. So he said like, it took you really like saying it very firmly and holding to it. The next time he asked, I said, no, I set my boundary and I'm holding to it. And, uh, so things have been so much better there once you have those healthy boundaries. And I think your family dynamic can be so much better when you do have those and they're clear. What's more frustrating than an unclear or unstated boundary is you feel more frustrated. You're like, Oh my gosh, why are they doing that thing again? That drives me crazy. Or they're calling me all the time, or they're calling me at different hours, or they're asking for these things, or they're showing up unannounced, whatever it might be. If I've never communicated what my needs are and how I can show up best in our relationship, 
then part of that is on me because I'm not communicating it and I'm feeling more frustrated. So when you're in that phase of, yeah, I kind of don't want to see them, but I don't really want to tell them I don't want to see them. uh, It's probably a good time to consider what boundary would I maybe need to set to, um, to feel happier in my own life. Families are hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) They are. Yeah. Cause I think it, I, I agree. I think it is a little bit more challenging to set boundaries with family or people that you have like a more emotional connection. Not that maybe you don't have with your work family, but yeah, with like, with a parent or sibling or, you know, someone who you're really close with and grown up with, they have maybe known you with very fluid boundaries. And when you start to set something, they're like, Hey, this is different than what I'm used to. And so can really question it. And that's been my experience too, is yeah. People's reactions being like, Hey, that's, that's weird. Or, um, obviously not using those exact terms, but (laughs) yeah. Or just like questioning. And then, yeah, you really like the hardest part about setting a boundary is keep reminding people of the boundary. (laughs) Then, And also work too. I mean, if you think about it, you can quit your job. You can, you can yeah. not get, you know, you can do something else at your job. You can maybe never see those employees again, whatever that be. But like with your family, you sometimes have that like internal obligation that it's they're your family. You can't, you yeah. can't get rid of them. They're there forever or whatever that be. So then it makes it harder to put up those boundaries sometimes because it's kind of like, well, they're my family. Mm-hmm. Work yeah. people are work people, you know, mm-hmm. so changes. Yeah. Things. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that portion of your story too, because right. Like everyone's story is unique, but I think that absolutely like it obviously has fueled. Yeah. Your ability to assist other people in setting boundaries in their, in their own lives. Mm -hmm. So you, you do business coaching, uh, how, so you've been doing it since 2019. What ultimately took you from, yeah. Uh, your day job, which I guess we didn't even get into, you worked in tech, but what was your day job? And like, when did you decide to be, to do your own business? And I know you have multiple hands in different areas, but yeah. Where did that spark come from? Yeah. Um, so I've been in a couple different areas, uh, in the kind of startup environment. I really love startup environments or companies that are experiencing a lot of growth Uh, and change. I like that uh, because it keeps me on my toes, keeps me busy. And uh, I I recognized that when I worked for the company, I initially got promoted and started growing into leadership positions that that wasn't going to be my forever. So I was so grateful once I mentioned how I got recruited. Uh, It was when I was working as a business manager for a leather luxury leather goods company which uh, was something that was an opportunity brought to me from a previous leader. So I didn't apply for this position. It was something that uh, an old boss was like, hey, these people need help. They don't need full time yet. So I thought it'd work perfect because I know you're wanting to stay at home with your young daughter, my first at the time. Uh, So I kind of started ramping up through that company. And that's where some of that growth uh, was coming from. And uh, it was working for him uh, who that's when he mentioned the whole conversation around uh, what would you want to do for your career or what would you want to, you know, what is 
something that you would feel like you would be making a bigger impact. Uh, and that's when little did he know that that wasn't going to be staying at his company <laughs> yeah. forever. Uh, it certainly opened up my mind to spark what I wanted to do, uh, which was the coaching of women. So, uh, how I transitioned, uh, was still working full time. Uh, I hired a business coach myself and thought, okay, how do I even start doing what I want to do, which is, uh, women's leadership and career coaching. And so I started working with a business coach and, uh, getting a little bit more clarity around like who I serve and, she helped me uh, come up with kind of a phrasing of helping women get promoted at work. And now it's slightly changed. I mean, I, I talk about helping women to own or grow their confidence and get promoted at work or advance their careers. Uh, and then I have like my sign back here that says the world needs more female leaders. And then I add on that I'm here to create them. So uh, I'm all about women empowerment, helping women to stand out in the workplace uh, in all sorts of different ways. And it can be really small to start and kind of grow from there. And that's what, uh, when I was working with my coach, she had mentioned uh, what podcasts would I want to be on? And that's when I started searching, okay, leadership, um, professional development, uh, what podcasts were popping up. And uh, at the time, uh, how, to, how I mentioned, there was mostly white older men uh, I was like, I don't want to be on any of these podcasts. Like, where do I go next? And she was like, well, if you don't want to be on any of them, that means that maybe there isn't a voice out there like yours. And that's what really sparked me starting the podcast and uh, sharing my voice. I am was really novice to start. I had no idea really what I was doing. I was searching things and putting my own feedback uh, and guidance into uh, action of Sometimes I would set a timer for 30 minutes and I would start searching on Google different things of what the heck is an RSS feed? What is this? What are hosting platforms? Yes. What one should I choose? And how do I get it on Apple Podcasts? Like all of these things. And sometimes I would hit that 30 minute mark and I was like, yep, I'm done. I don't want to like look at that for at least a few more days. Uh, but other times I was like, oh, hey, I'm in a rhythm. I feel good. Uh, and I would keep going. Um, so that's what helped me start to get the podcast out there. And I was consistent in posting episodes weekly and uh, have tried to stay pretty consistent with that. And honestly, I don't even do a lot of, uh, I really don't do much at all for my own podcast, but it's grown a lot. Um, I answer, um, many questions over on Cora.com, mm -hmm. uh, people asking for career advice. And so I'll write an answer and I'll tag my podcast for additional resources if they're interested. And that's helped, uh, grow my audience mm -hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of different things. I, I feel like I am called, uh, to do more, which I'm sure both of you ladies feel the same of, getting more voices out there uh, of what happens in real life that we're all going through some sort of something uh, behind the scenes that people don't typically see on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes not even talked about in typical discussions with our friends. So um, one thing that I knew I was, I was feeling like I needed to make that bigger impact. Uh, I started creating a corporate program, uh, that I haven't even really like put out there yet. Um, I've had the video content recorded for like 
probably almost two years. It's all edited. It's ready to go. And I've just been scared to put myself out there uh, because it's so different. Like I'm so confident in the, in the tech industry and in my career. Uh, but this is something that's so different into entrepreneurship, uh, that it kind of scares me, but I talk about all the same stuff. It's all the same stuff that's on the podcast, talking about how to help people, uh, grow and develop their soft skills because so much money is put into hiring. So much money is put into training. And then what happens? I'm sure both of you have experienced, you kind of get thrown out into the wild and you're just expected to survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you don't have a great leader, maybe you don't progress very far. Uh, If you have a leader who was promoted because they were the highest salesperson and then they got put as a sales leader, bad idea, but okay. Um, maybe they're not going to be the best leader in the way that you need like a mentor. Mm -hmm. They're a great like salesperson, but not every great salesperson or everyone who's at the top of the stats is the right next leader for that team. So, um, that's what this program is essentially built for is entry level team members, which again is not something that you'll find content for really out online. (laughs) Uh, you find Yeah. Leadership development. Once you've promoted, once you've gotten there, once you've arrived, it's like, here's a million different pieces of content and different courses and all the things that you could do to get, to continue being a better leader or, uh, to be a great leader in general. But what happens between that time of that finishing training and getting to that promotion, Uh, So that's what the program I created uh, is built for. But again, I'm just, I get nervous getting it out there, but I'm finally, I set my word for 2022, which is action. It's not being the perfection Enneagram three in me. That's like, have it be perfect before it gets out there. Um, So yeah, I'm really pushing through to like get that action and um, start sharing it with companies uh, because I know it can be something that's really helpful for those entry-level team members and just called to do more. And, you know, I love working my full-time position. I love my super part-time position that I've done as well. And that keeps me, you know, in the know, I feel like of a lot of what people are struggling with or what people are dealing with. So then I'll have more content that I can go share on my podcast as well. I feel like it helps keep me relevant to a degree, Mm -hmm. um, of knowing what people are currently struggling with. I love it. I love it. Thank you. I think that content sounds like it is very needed. I mean, yeah, you're like, this is missing. I'm going to make it. But that imposter syndrome gets us all right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I definitely see that going far. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just got to press that publish button and it's going to happen. It's going to be big. (laughs) I know. Like everyone I talk to on the pod, like when I do my podcast and it's like before we record or after, and I'm talking about it more comfortably and they're like, you need to take action. I'm like, I know I'm aware. Like I coach to this all the time for people Mm -hmm. in the workplace to, you know, like, don't wait till you're perfect to try to, you know, go to that next, you know, next position. I always say, let people tell, you no, don't tell yourself no. So, I mean, right now I'm in a phase of telling myself, no, I'm not letting anyone else have that opportunity to even experience it yet. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as soon as you do, it'll be right for you. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's totally fine. 
Yeah. You do you. Yeah, I'll get there, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I love that the, yeah, the word of the year for you is action. Uh, that was one of the other episodes that I'd listened to as well. So <laughs> thank you. And that was, I was like, that is, yeah, that's, that is a great word to, to go by. So I was going to ask, what are your plan, like your next upcoming plans? But it sounds like that at some point seems to be what yeah. you want to what Danielle said, push publish on, but mm-hmm. yeah. Any, any other things that are up and coming for you this year that you're trying to yeah, manifest? Yeah. So part of the um, corporate program is having another side that really is focused more so on women. The content I talk about in general is always focused towards women or that you're going to resonate with more. Uh, but for the corporate side, it's going to be available for all entry-level team members. It's helpful for everyone at that stage and who takes most advantage of it, uh, hopefully women, but uh, anyone truly could. So I'll use that same content and uh, repurpose it for uh, group coaching and uh, be able to mentor uh, and coach more women specifically on issues that they're going through in the workplace. While they have kind of these videos, it's considered micro-learning content. Uh, I think we've all been to Uh, a conference or um, a training session for your team. And it's like two full days of content where you're in a room, you're, you know, you're maybe at a resort or something. So it's going to be fun. Or I've gone to a a call center conference in Vegas. So like afterwards we, it was a lot of fun to be like out in Vegas, but man, that content from eight to five of the constant back to back, like they call it like that fire hose method. It doesn't work, but people are still investing so many thousands of dollars into it. Um, so it's definitely adjusting that to micro learning content that can be delivered to your email. You watch a couple of videos per week. Uh, so it's much slower of a drip but there are little things that you can implement right away. So there will be action steps uh, afterwards as well. And um, yeah, helping more women in the workplace is obviously my biggest goal, helping uh, create more female leaders uh, amongst the workforce. And um, yeah, so hopefully that's something that in conjunction, they both serve like kind of a dual purpose um, to make a bigger impact because like I said, I love working full time. Uh, and this is something I do in my spare time is talk about more work stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so all I talk about is work. My husband's like, okay, babe, can we like talk about something else right now? I'm like, but this is so interesting to me. Let's talk about like, I'm, I have so many ideas for other episodes and articles and all the things. And I just know that means that I'm in my sweet spot of, mm-hmm. of, you know, wanting to provide that impact, like I said, and, and make a difference for some people in this world. Um, so yeah, I think that as a dual purpose is really what the goal is for this year. Yeah. And back to that growth pattern of Enneagram three. Yeah. The <laughs> achieving, yep. bringing it, bringing it full circle, you know, yes. <laughs> uh, well, Nicole, is there any other, I mean, we've talked about so much and I know listeners are going to enjoy and be motivated, inspired, (laughs) gain confidence, all the things, but anything that we didn't touch on that you're like, Oh, I I need to need to add that in. We'll, we'll give you time to plug away, but anything anything else that you wanted to, yeah. Like a last little tidbit. Sure. 
Thank you so much. Uh, I, I know that sometimes when you're listening to something, you feel that like hit of like dopamine, you're so excited and you want to like conquer the world. And then all of a sudden that like fear comes in because heaven forbid, we actually enjoy joy a little bit longer, uh, before, uh, kind of our natural state, um, we come in and start thinking, Oh, but what if this happens? What if that happens? And then you start thinking of the future in a way that again, brings you more of that, like anxious energy than excited energy, uh, because we think of what all the things that could go wrong, because that's again, very natural for everyone to think that way. Uh, but I want to say, if you, if you have a focus of one step in the right direction, that's been a motto of mine for years, uh, because, There have been plenty of times where I didn't know what that future was going to be. I still suck at answering, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm -hmm. Uh, I had someone asking me that in a job interview when I was, when I was looking for my current position and I wasn't going to tell him what I wanted truly in my heart, because that wasn't going to be likely working for someone else. It was going to be working for myself. And so I tried to explain that in the best way possible of how maybe I would still be at that company and, uh, he could see right through that. (laughs) So, uh, it was not a good experience. Also left that opportunity, uh, crying because (laughs) I was there for like seven hours and things were going so well until he asked that. And I knew like, and I can feel that energy. I knew instantly, like he was not like excited about me anymore. And that was okay. That was also a sign that it wasn't meant for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my two mantras, if it's meant to be, if it's meant for me, it will be, I say that a lot when interviewing and looking for other opportunities, cause we can often uh, have a lot of self doubt, uh, and then one step in the right direction, trying to figure out where do I want to go? I'm going to try to head this route. And if it doesn't work, I can pivot at any time. You can yes. always pivot. Those are great mantras. Thank you. <laughs> you just got to keep saying them like all the time. And it's just like, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Well, did you, I mean, we prepped you for it kind of, but did you think about an Instagram versus reality at all? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And honestly, it's probably the easiest way is to explain mine is that my podcast or things that I'm posting on social media seem so perfect because for my podcast editing platform, I go and remove all of my filler words. So I sound much more clearer and, uh, some people don't agree with that. Uh, I'm in a podcast group, uh, to also continue improving. Right. I believe in, in that Mm -hmm. full heartedly is to, surround yourself by even better people. So you continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's like, I don't like that people do that. And I was like, I'm going to continue to do that because (laughs) that's what works for me. Uh, I want, I do want to come off across, uh, polished, confident, all that great stuff. But I really try to trickle in that uh, vulnerability side of things because I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm the first one to try to share openly or proactively about things that don't go so well so that people can see that more human side. Because I do get comments like you're perfect or like your life is so great. And um, that's probably one of the easier ones is. I try to bring some of that into at least my stories of what the realities are of life. 
Um, but sometimes I, I have a hard time trying to figure out how do I show people what I'm struggling through, uh, to where they're going to understand that I'm not perfect. Uh, but then I'm like, what exactly do they want to see that I'm struggling in? Because right. it's most of the things that I go through, right. Or I have those ups and downs. So I think the easiest one though, would be like the podcast, uh, before and after, uh, if I released an episode without editing, oh my gosh, it would, it would be a mess. Uh, so the reality, uh, is not as pretty as what, uh, actually gets published. <laughs> I mean, that's, well, speaking from a person who edits our podcast, I get it, you know, yeah. you just have those moments and it's, just, it is, I, I love the aspect that I'm sure like behind the scenes, if you could put a bunch of them together, you would probably just laugh, you know, like. Right. Exactly. I, I'll be talking and then I'll stare at my screen and I'm like, what was I saying? I don't know. Okay. Ah! And then I like go back and then I, it's easy to edit out and no one sees me struggling. It seems like I have it all together when I'm, I'm sharing that in my podcast. Right. So, uh, it sometimes makes me nervous being a guest on a podcast because I'm so used to taking a pause and then being able to restate. I probably sometimes sound robotic, uh, when people don't edit that out, which many of them haven't. So then I'm like, yeah, I sound like I just hit a little soft restart on myself for that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> <laughs> but it also means that you're taking the time and the care to make sure that your listeners really get what you're trying to say, you know? Mm-hmm. So definitely it's all, it's all good. We love it. I mean, well, you were a great guest for us. So, I mean, that's you awesome. <laughs> you were, I know I, I find it hard, even though, right. We have this podcast. I find it hard sometimes to host podcasts. Cause I just want to say, here and be like, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, oh crap, no, <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> respond because I'm just loving it. So uh, I think that's, I think that's funny how it goes both ways. Oh, definitely. I, I stress being a host because I'm the same. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. And then they pause and I'm like, I'm supposed to have a question. Yes. <laughs> I'm still processing everything that happened. And so on mine, I do have a little bit of a, uh, not a script, but I do come up with some questions in advance again, because I want my, my guests, which are mostly women in the workplace who don't feel like they like are worthy of being on a podcast and sharing their voice. Mm-hmm. So I want them to come across competent and what can help that I found is having some, a general outline of questions. And that way, when we go a little bit off the beaten path, I can bring it back a little bit with, okay, we've gotten a little farther off of topic. Let's bring it real back in a little bit. Uh, because again, I, I know that people tuning in, it's, it's precious time that we are in someone's ear while they are doing dishes or while they're driving or while they're on a walk or working out, whatever it might be. I want to be so respectful of their time that they're willing to listen to what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think our listeners are going to be super excited that we took time to chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I hope they do. <laughs> yes. And yeah, if people want to know more, where can they find you? Or do you mm-hmm. want to share your Instagram handles, website, your pod, and we'll link in the show notes as well. 
Thank you. Yeah. My podcast is next level leaders. So you can search that I think on most streaming services. I don't know. I'm still learning. If you look for it and it's not there, hit me up. I'll try to figure out how to get it on there. Uh, and then my website is nicoleharrop.com. And that's where you'll also be able to find podcast episodes. Uh, I created a career journal, which I think is a great uh, next step for anyone who's looking to do a little bit of that self pace. Maybe you're not ready to join some group career coaching, but you're wanting to work on yourself. Uh, that is a great option as well. And you can find that career journal on my website. They're very much all or nothing. So it's do it on your own time, whenever you feel inspired to work on it. And there are over a hundred unique prompts and each different page is uh, a new t- kind of topic with uh, thought questions for you to uh, experience how you want to grow and uh, continue advancing in your own career. Uh, but yeah, I mostly hang out on Instagram. Uh, I don't post a whole ton because it, I feel like I have so much other stuff going on. But if I am active anywhere, that's typically where it's going to be. So my Instagram is at Nicole Awesome. 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 (laughs) Well, hopefully our listeners connect with you. I did see that career journal and I was like, that is pretty, I am a sucker for journals. So yes, thank you again, Nicole, and have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) And that's our show. Thank you so much for taking the time during your morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time you did to listen. But we would love to hear more from you. We'd love to hear more from you. So make sure you join us on Facebook at Real Life Podcast with Abby and Danielle and like and subscribe to our podcast. If you're not an Apple user, we are actually on Spotify as well. But on Apple, you can leave us a review. But don't forget to leave us a review on Facebook as well.